Week four of cultivating a relationship with God. And we are finding out how we can be successful spiritually. And so we're looking to the Scriptures as to how we should do that. In this series, we're trying to find out um, how we can cultivate a relationship with God. And the very first premise that we started with was that we can cultivate a relationship with God. That it is possible to meet with God because of Jesus Christ. And because He is our advocate, our high priest, we can now go to God and meet with Him. And we're finding out uh, the last couple of weeks we've been looking at how we can do that. We said that it is possible to do so the first week. second week we said that we should do that. It is something that we all should do. And now we're looking at how we can do that. Last week we looked at cultivating a relationship with God through His Word. Obviously, the best way for us to meet with God is by meeting with Him through His Word. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1-3 through 3 read, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. That is what we want to be. We want to be like those trees that are planted by the rivers of water that are so strong that nothing can take uh, them down. And we, in the same way, would like to be like that. In order for us to do that, we need to be constantly feeding on the Word of God. Remember, last week we said that it would be the equivalent of trying to suck in enough air for an entire week or eat enough food that would last for six months. And uh, often that's the way we take in the Scriptures. We take in large amounts at one time, on Sunday perhaps, and then the rest of the week it kind of fades. And so it's important for us to constantly be feeding on, be, be breathing in the Word of God. Alright, so before we, we get into this, let's uh, begin with the word of prayer. Lord, we're thankful for Jesus Christ, our High Priest, we're thankful for the season in which we can celebrate His birth and what that means for us who love Him. We pray that our lives would, would be uh, lives that would display the, the great glory that He has brought to us and the great glory that, that He uh, magnifies um, and, and the, the glory that, that will be um, yours forever where we can magnify You for, for the rest of eternity. We pray that even now that our lives would be an hallelujah, a praise to You in everything that we do. We pray that this time would be acceptable and pleasing in Your sight as we engage our minds, finding out how we can hear from You better. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, two weeks ago I said that quiet time is that part of the day that we set aside for the worship of God for the reading of the Word, and for fellowship with God so that we may know Him more, know ourselves in light of Him, and know the world according to His perspective. And I said there were five ways in which we can meet with God in His Word. Okay, Last week we looked at the first two, and those were hearing the Word of God, which we primarily do at church, uh, but hearing the Word of God, and then also reading God's Word. We'll also talk about that this morning in the, in the morning service. But there's, there's three more that I want to talk to you about today, and that is studying, memorizing, and meditating. 
And these we could we could illustrate like fingers on our hand. Okay, we need all five of these things. Because if we just only have two, let's say we only hear the Word of God and we read the Word of God, it would be like trying to take a grip of this book with just two fingers. Okay, It's a lot harder to do than it is if we have all five fingers on it. And so if we want to get a real grip on the Word of God, we need to have all five of these things. That is hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating. So what does it mean to study the Bible? We'll go through that first one. Um, we'll skip over that review there that you have there, but let's let's get right into studying God's Word. Studying God's Word. Donald Whitney in his book uh, writes, if reading the Bible can, can be compared to cruising the width of a clear, sparkling lake in a motorboat, studying the Bible is like going across it slowly in a glass-bottom boat. You see, one just takes you across the breadth of it, so when you're reading through the Scriptures, that is very helpful to do to find out the breadth of the Scriptures, how wide it is, what, what a vast lake we, we ride across. But when we get into it, studying is more like looking down into the depths of the lake to find out how deep it is, what kind of things are down there. And uh, so it's important for us to do that. So, um, let me have you turn in your Bibles to Ezra chapter 7. Okay, Ezra is before Psalms. Okay, after all the the second books, Second Samuel, Second Kings, Second Chronicles, and then then Ezra. All right, Ezra, Ezra chapter seven. And let me read for you Ezra seven and verse ten. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. Ezra, Ezra had come to Jerusalem to teach the people the laws of God and to lead them in the worship of God. His heart was set on studying it and teaching it. And so his passion was for the Word of God. In fact, in verse 9 it says that the good hand of God was on him. So the point that we need to see here is that it pleases God when we devote ourselves to His Word. It pleases Him when we devote ourselves to His Word. So how do we do this? How do we study um, the depths of God's Word? That's your blank there. Study the depths of God's Word. How do we do this? Well, studying um, the Bible requires... It doesn't require that we get in a whole pile of commentaries necessarily. We don't have to have all these other people's views on, on what the Scriptures say. We can study the Bible on our own, unaided by, by anything else, because the, the Bible is sufficient. Okay, certainly it's not, um, it's not as clear in some spots as it is in others to us because of our hindered mind, because of our minds that are hindered by sin. But, and, and because they're finite, let's, let's uh, say that as well. But, the, but, but we don't need all these these tools. We don't need a seminary degree. We don't need all these things in order to study God's Word. We need three, uh, primarily two things. First of all, a heart turned towards God in prayer and humility. A heart turned towards God in prayer and humility. So this requires simply that we pray and ask God to give us understanding by, by way of the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. This is the role that He plays. He helps illuminate. He helps 
enlighten us to what the truth is. Now, this is not something mystical. Okay, This is something that, that God does through the ordinary process of learning, but in a way, it is supernatural because an unbeliever cannot understand the Scriptures. They cannot understand the significance of the Scriptures as as well as a, or as, at all, in fact. A believer can. You see, an unbeliever could go in here, he could find out all the, the subjects and the verbs and direct objects and all that. He could find out how everything relates to each other. But he wouldn't be able to find out its significance for him. You see? A believer can, can do that because we have the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does through the process of illumination, okay, the idea of illumining our minds, is that He enlightens us to what the Scriptures mean. That is, he removes our hostility from it. You see, when, as an unbeliever, you have a hostility towards the Scriptures. You hate them. You, you despise them. So even if you tried to understand them, you cannot unless you have the Spirit. And so the Spirit removes the hostility and he also helps you to accept the Scriptures as truth. And so that's what we need the Holy Spirit for. So that's why I say, if you want to study the Scripture... Obviously, you have to be a believer in order for it to be significant, but you have to have a heart turned towards God in prayer and humility, recognizing that you can't figure this out on your own. You need help. You need help from this from the Spirit. And so, a, a humble person asks questions. Let me ask uh, someone to turn to Romans chapter eleven and read verses thirty-three to thirty-six for me. Any volunteers? Thank you, Ken. Romans eleven thirty three to thirty six. Romans chapter 11. Paul. Okay, and he says the unsearchable depth of the Scriptures. Now, Paul, come on. You certainly know the Scriptures more than anybody in your day. Maybe anybody saved Christ of all time. How could you not know the script? How are you saying that this is so unsearchable? I mean, the person who had this, this personal vision from God, this light on the road to Damascus, who knew God intimately, and yet he said, I, I still can't search all the depths of it. You see, it's like going in the glass-bottom glass boat and he, he gets to this one spot. Wow, I never saw that before. It's not that he never read the words before, but he never correlated them with other parts of the Scripture. And he says that God's truth is so unsearchable that we cannot ultimately mine its depths. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't go after it. It shouldn't, doesn't mean that, okay, because it's too hard to understand, even if Paul can't understand it, then certainly I can't. That's not the point. The point is that God is infinite and, and we can only learn a certain amount, but we should press on. We should find out what God is, is teaching through His Word. So first of all, we need a heart. Secondly, we need a Bible. It's that simple. You have these two things. You can study. Everything that you need is in the text. Using the Bible to study or using the Bible to study the Bible is called inductive study. That is, it's finding out what it means based on what it says. 
And this kind of study brings you, brings you directly in a, in a relationship with God Himself. Okay? I, I mentioned the illustration last week that if, if we wanted to find out about somebody, if we wanted to find out about our daughter, or our father, or brother, or whomever, who would we go to to find out about that person? Would you go to their best friend and say, hey, what is this person like? What does my son like to do? We, would, we wouldn't do that. But that's the way we do it often with the Scriptures. The first thing we go to when we have a problem is not the Scriptures. We leave that on the shelf. We go to the self-help book that a Christian author wrote. You see, it's, it's indirect. We need to go directly to God. And that's why the Scriptures are so beautiful. Um, and the way that we can do this involves three skills. The first of all I have there for you is observation. Observation. All that is is simply looking at the big picture. And that's what you do when you read through the entire Bible. You're just observing things. Okay? This happened. This happened. This person did this. This person did that. You're writing down things as you go. That's the simple task of observation. Rudyard Kipling said, I had six honest serving men. They taught me all I knew. Their names were where, what, when, why, how, who. Certainly you've heard that before. But that is so key when it comes to studying the Scriptures. Sometimes what we do is we use these crutches of all these other books and we, we find out what they say before we even look to see what God says. And we say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And what we're doing now is when we come to Scriptures, we say, well, this person said this, this person said this, and then we come down to the Scripture, we see it, and then we go, okay, because of all these people saying this, I think this verse means... What we should do is we should say, what does this say? Okay? We'll talk about this this morning, too, in the morning service, but, but one of the best ways for us to read is to read like anything else we read of importance. Okay? A court document... A, a contract, a letter from a loved one. I mean, if we read the Scriptures that way and, and wanted to understand them, just like we try to understand those letters we get, then we would come away so much better than we, than we tend to, to be. So, so the first step is, is simply observation. Let's go to Romans chapter 12 and I'll show you quickly how this works. We will get into this in more detail when we get to how to study the Bible. We have a whole class on that um, coming up next year sometime. How to study the Bible. We'll get into more depth. But I want to give you a brief overview of this. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Okay, it's a familiar verse, but let's see if we can do some of this observation. The same sort of thing that, that Rudyard Kipling did in a secular format. Okay, Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren... By the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Okay, the first question is where? Okay, we, we don't necessarily... It doesn't tell us a whole lot in this verse if we ask the question where. Where is Paul writing from? We would have already determined that from the context of, of the entire book. So let's go to the next one. That is what? What is he saying? Just the words here, not the meaning yet. Is he asking a question? Is he giving a command? Is he giving an encouragement, a rebuke? What is he saying here? It's a command. I urge you to present your bodies. Okay, This is a, a strong encouragement, we could say, or a command that basically comes across as the for, with the force of a command. It's pointing them back to 
Romans chapter 11 because see that first word there? It says, therefore. So he's talking about what he's previously talked about. So when. If we ask the question when, uh, that would simply be when was he writing this or uh, when is when is Paul talking to the Romans about this? And I don't think that um, necessarily plays into what to finding out the meaning of it. So let's go to the next one. That is why. Why is he telling them to live holy lives? Okay, yeah, that's the first one. It says, um, because of the mercies of God, look at the end of the verse, which is your spiritual service of worship. Okay, so this was this is what Christians do. That's what that's what Christians do. They offer themselves as living sacrifices. This is what the the average Christian does. So, so why is he telling them to do that? Because that is what Christians should do. And then how? How does he make this appeal? And I think that goes to that second phrase there by the mercies of God. How do we offer ourselves? Why Paul would we ever want to to lay down our lives for the sake of God? Why would we do that? And he says, because of the mercies of God or by the mercies of God. Now, if you were to read through Romans chapter 1 through 11, you, you would see your desperate condition. You would see that you were lost and that you were in opposition towards God and that you deserved His wrath. But because of Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1, we have peace with God and we no longer have condemnation and so you read about all these great mercies that God pours out on us who believe in Him. And we come to Romans 12.1 and He says, because of those mercies, you ought to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. It's the least you can do. Because God has given so much to you. So that is the how. And then the last question is who. And obviously we've already answered that. And that is Paul. And we could also ask, who is he speaking to? Paul's brethren. Okay? So... It's just a simple task of asking questions. You should be able to do this with any passage in the Scripture. You may not be able to answer all the questions, but at least you can ask them. That's, that is a huge start, by the way. Mark? Yeah, you could also ask, when, um, when should this be done? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it certainly could be answered immediately. So, maybe you're thinking, you know, I've never done this before. I, I, I just leave that to other people. I'll let everybody else study the Word of God for me. But let me go back to my illustration. Okay, Don't let someone else determine what the Scriptures mean. Okay, You need to find out what they mean for yourself, for, for yourself. Because of all people, Paul's followers should, should have been the ones who, who would have been that way said, you know what, Paul, Paul, you know the Scriptures. We'll let you study them. And, and even Jesus Christ Himself, with His disciples, He says, or with the Pharisees, have you not read? Have you not read these things for yourself? He didn't say, listen, this is, you know, let me, let me teach you these things. He says, have you not read? You need to figure this out for yourself. And the Bereans, what I was getting at with Paul was that the Bereans, of all people, should have been the ones that would say, Paul, we believe you. I mean, you're from God. You're teaching the Scriptures. We believe you. But what did they do? What did the Bereans do? They searched the Scriptures daily to see if in fact what Paul was saying was true. Okay, That is not anyone else's responsibility except yours. 
Your responsibility is to get in and find out what God says. And so many times when people come to us with problems and questions about the spiritual life or about their life in particular, we can't answer them until we go talk to that almost like a priest. We have to go talk to this person. We sh- it, it shouldn't be that way. You see, we are individual priests. We now have the ability to understand the Scriptures for ourselves because of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and if we allow that to be done by someone else, we will never really learn anything. It's like riding training wheels our whole life. And then we get to the point where we need to get off and, and ride for ourselves, and we can't because we've never done it before. We've never balanced on our own. We've never thought through these hard questions. I mean, suppose you are at work and you had a coworker that would come in early every day and do your job for you. You got there and everything was done. And you get there and you just kind of, oh, cool, I, I get just get to pay, get paid for this. How helpful that w- would that be when that coworker takes off? And that's the point, you see. Your, your pastor, your spiritual leaders, you know, all these different commentaries, you're not going to have those there when you're in the throes of battle, when you're fighting with Satan, when you're trying to deal with problems. You need to know these things for yourself. You have to, and the best way to find out about them is to study them for yourself. All right. Um, let me see where I'm at here. So asking questions is the first step. And that's simply uh, observation. That leads us to our next step, which is interpretation. Okay, The first step is just basically saying, what does it say? Okay, We would do this with a letter. What does this letter say? What's the subject of the letter? Okay, you'll see this in, in news articles all the time. It'll have the subject of the, the news article on the top. Or we do this in emails. On the subject line, we put the subject of what we're talking about. And then if we want to know the interpretation of that subject, you know, suppose it said, Christmas party at my house. That's the subject. Then we want to know the interpretation of that. Well, what does that mean? Then we go into the details of it and find out, okay, what, is, what are they talking about? What are they trying to say? So there's... Uh, um, a couple rules of interpretation that we need to abide by because if not, we can get ourselves into trouble when we try to understand the Scriptures. The first one is the Bible has one coherent message. So all f- passages must fit into the one u- unifying theme. And the Bible is self-interpreting. Okay, Because God wrote the whole of Scripture, it is... It is coherent. It has a unifying message. It has a message that, that can be determined from the whole. And every single part must fit under that whole. Okay? Same thing is true about each individual passage. And I wish I had time to flesh all this out, but, but I don't. So I'll just leave it at that. The Bible has one unifying message and all of the passages in the Scripture must fit under that. Secondly, all Bible reading requires interpretation. Okay, this means that we can't just simply go to the Scriptures and go, oh, okay, that, I like that. I pulled out that word. Uh, if the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also. Hmm. Okay, I'll use that when I cook today. That's, that, that requires interpretation. What, what was the author intending when he wrote that? All right. Thirdly, all Scripture must be understood in its original context. That is, historical context. What, what were they... What was going on during this time? Who was king? Who, what, was, you know, uh, what kind of battles were going on in the church there? 
or cultural. You know, what kind of uh, cultural things that they had that, that we don't have. Or, or um, geographical linguistic, which is obviously language. And then fourthly, a passage, this is very critical, this, this is very hard to understand when you hear this for the first time, but you need to, to, to understand this. This is a passage of Scripture can never mean what it never meant. Okay? So we can't go to the Scripture, pull out a meaning and say, this is what it means, you ever heard this? For me. And what happens is we have all these people over here going, this is what it means for me, this is what it means for me, this is what it means for me. And God says, no, that's not what I'm saying. What did I mean from the beginning? You need to find out. And the only way you can do that is through the study of Scriptures. You have to study it for yourself. And it can never mean what it never meant. Now, that doesn't mean that it can't apply to us. That will be the last step. We'll look at that. But it can't mean something that it never meant. Paul can't mean that... Or, or Jesus can't mean something in, in something He says um, that, you know, maybe He... Jesus didn't mean that we shouldn't watch TV or something like that from one of his statements. We can't find that in any of Jesus' statements. So we can't go to there and say, okay, this is what Jesus said. See, he didn't like TV back then. That doesn't even make sense. We have to understand it in its context, right? There may be principles that say some of the TV programs that you're watching are wrong. That's different, okay? But a passage can never mean what it never meant. Fifthly, every passage has only one Literal, historical meaning. That's pretty close to the one before. But that just kind of highlights the point there. So, application. How do we look at the passage? Now that we've looked at it, we've, we've found out what the meaning is, or we, we've found out what the subject is. That is, what is this passage saying? Secondly, what is this passage talking about? What is it saying about the subject? Okay, that's the interpretation phase. Thirdly, the application phase. Now, how does it apply to me? Because okay, if we just learn a bunch of facts about the Scriptures, that doesn't really do us any good, does it? Unless it applies to our lives. So this is an important stage in the process. So I would suggest that you should ask three questions to the passage after you've determined what the meaning is. Okay, This will help you in, in helping to um, allow the Scriptures to really sing for you. Ask these questions. What does this passage say about God? Okay? If the Bible is written by God and it's a story about God, then certainly the passage has to say something about God. Okay? In some way. We should be able to get to the book of Esther, which never mentions the name God at all. Jesus, any, any of the Godhead. We should be able to get to that book and say, what does this passage say about God? Okay? Is this telling me something about God? We need to be able to answer that question. Secondly, what does this passage say about man? Because it's also a story about man. Obviously, the primary character in the Scriptures is God and then man. What does this say about me? And then what does this passage say about God's relationship to me? All right. If you do those things as you study through the Scripture, then it will give you a huge advantage when you uh, come to facing these trials, these questions, these difficult times in your life, because that is what the Scripture is meant to do. All right, any questions on studying the Word? I apologize for having to go through that so quickly, but as I said, we have a class that we will be going through this, I believe it's a six-week class, where we'll take a lot of these principles and, and work through them as a group. Yeah, Jessica? Um, if a new person is reading 
Yeah. Yeah, that that's certainly a good reason to be involved in a local church. In fact, the local church is is necessary, it's important and and one of the things that the church does is it's a guardianship for for wrong beliefs. Okay, so if we get come to a passage we say I I think it thinks I think it means this, then hopefully there are other people in the church and the leaders of the church are saying, "No, that's not what that means. Let me show you why." Um now I'm not. I'm not saying throw out all the commentaries. They're, they're unimportant, and uh, we don't need leaders in the church. That that sort of thing. And I don't think that's what you're suggesting. But, um, but but they are valuable at some point. The the problem is we can't depend on them alone. Is my point. They have to be. They have to be basically our support there if we need them. But yes, that is a good time to point that out. And when you do come to a uh, an apparent contradiction in the scripture. There are plenty of those where it seems like it doesn't correlate with something else in the scripture. We can't use one uh, unclear passage to try to explain the rest of the scriptures. We should be able to take the entire scriptures and explain the unclear passage. Okay, and that comes as you read through the scriptures more, as you study more, as you start asking these questions and then answering them. It's great how it works because. A lot of times what happens is when you when you just simply do this, just jot down the questions that you have as you read through the Scripture. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed with all the questions, we don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to read and wait till a verse pops out at me. That's not how it works. Okay, that, That's a dream. We need to sit down and, and write down questions. We don't even have to answer them. Okay? If you have time, try to figure them out from the passage around. But even if you just ask them what happens there, is that it gives you another way to think about it. And then as you come to another passage of Scripture, oh yeah, I had that question over here. Wow, that makes sense. I see. Okay. Any other questions? All right, let's move on to memorization. Memorization. Um, we can commit the Word of God to memory in countless ways. Um but it is vital that that we do so. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 119. And I think of Bible memory, I think of this chapter because it's so full of the word of God and its and its importance for us. The psalmist relied upon it so much. And could not live without it. And so he, he constantly hid it in his heart. He didn't carry around a Bible like we do. And I think in a lot of ways that becomes a crutch for us because we say, well, we got we got the Scriptures, so we don't really hide it in our hearts. We don't really... But the problem is, is we a lot of time, when we need it, we don't know where to go. And so that's the importance of, of, of memorizing the Scripture. Look at verse 154. says, plead my cause and redeem me. Redeem, revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your ordinances. The, the Scriptures have implicit benefits to them. The first one we see there, and I don't have a blank for this one, but it is that, that it revives our heart. It, it gives us life. That's what the Scriptures do. Look at verse 11. 
Psalm 119.11, most of you know this verse, but it says, Your word I have treasured in my heart. Why? Why have you treasured God's word in your heart? That I might not sin against you. Okay, the reason that we have the Word of God, one of the reasons is that it gives us victory over sin. gives us victory over sin. Remember Jesus, when He was being tempted, what did He do to, to counteract the temptation, to, to overcome, to, to have victory over the sin? What did He do in all three cases? He used Scriptures. He said, it is written. And, uh, you know... Maybe this is kind of silly, but he didn't say, you know, I think it kind of says somewhere that the Bible says something where we're... I mean, that's obviously silly because we got Jesus Christ. But but the point is we need to learn it, and we need to learn it in a way that, that the original writers wrote it. A lot of times we say, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, I'll just get the idea, basic idea. I'll get the subject of it. But that's not the point of memory. Memory is getting into it, finding the, the word-for-word understanding of it. And just uh, repeating it over and over again. Now, that doesn't mean that just because we we learn all these verses, hey, we're going to have victory over sin, never have any problems with sin ever again. That, that's not what that means. Because certainly uh, there will be temptations, and simply learning rote memorization doesn't necessarily give us any mystical power. Free the free off the chains. No sin can ever touch me again. I mean, you've heard of stories of people driving to the sin that they're going to commit. Quoting Scripture. You've heard of that, right? They're quoting Scripture against what they're about to do. So it doesn't matter if we, we learn the words word for word unless we, we let it soak in, unless we let it, 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 it um, change us within. But it does have power. The, the memory of Scripture, and we'll, well, I'll show you that when we get to the meditation part, but um, secondly, victory over Satan. Uh, you have that. Victory over Satan. Victory over sin. Same thing. Um, also, preparation for witnessing and counseling. Scripture memory can prepare us for unexpected gospel presentations. Proverbs 25.11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. And when we're ready with the Word of God from our hearts for a time when God's Word is fitly spoken, spoken, then blessings will flow. It's the natural thing that happens. Isaiah 55.11 says that God's Word will not return to Him void. It will not return empty. Now, tonight we're going to talk a lot about, in the evening service, about memorizing. But let me just uh, just hit a couple objections that you may have to memorizing uh, the Scriptures. Number one, Memorization is not about having a good memory. Okay, it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but but it's not about having a good memory. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably forget it after you leave here too. But um, scripture memory is is about repetition. That's all it is. This repetition. Think about all the things that you know without even thinking. Your phone number. Your mom's birthday? Well, some of you. Some of you don't even know your wife's birthday. Um, uh, you know, your address, how to get to work. Could you imagine if every time you got in the car you pulled out your map? No, you don't need that. Why, why don't you need that? Because you've done it so many times, over and over and over and over again, 
And so you do it without thinking. That's exactly what Scripture memorization is. It's simply just just repeating it over and over again in your mind. I mean, if you've worked with your kids in this way, you, you see how this works. How do they memorize? They can't just look at it once and go, okay, got it. You just have to sit down with them. When they're young and they can't read, you read it to them over and over again. And then amazingly, they can quote it for you. But, but, but we have to do the same thing when it comes to Scripture. Memory. So that, that requires uh, nothing but simple repetition. Um, memorization uh, requires dependence on God in prayer. Memorization requires dependence on God in prayer. So we need to go to God and ask for His help. You set aside time, some set aside some time that we can do that. All right. Memorization also requires um, time. It's just like reading and studying. If you don't take time to do it, you're not going to memorize anything. Memorization doesn't just fall upon. It doesn't just happen upon you. Oh, wow! He memorized that verse, and I didn't even realize it. You need to take time and sit down and do it. Um, it also requires repetition. I mentioned that before, but ten times read, ten times said is a good good uh, rule of thumb to use. Ten times read, ten times said, and that requires review. I don't know if I gave you enough blanks there, but um, requires review. So it's not just enough just to memorize it once. You've seen this with your kids when they've memorized before. They they memorize it and then you you go back and ask them what was that verse that they knew so well and they quoted in some play or something. Now they don't know it. And it's because they haven't gone back and reviewed it. And so review doesn't require that we do it every day. Maybe just once a quarter, once every two years, like getting up on a bicycle and ride it again. Once you start, once you start doing it again, it happens. So in order to do this, we need a plan. We need to, to sit down and figure out what kind of plan. How can we memorize uh, more Scripture? How can we get more scripture into our hearts so that we can allow it to to um, to work out from us so that it can't we can't have victory over sin and uh, and so I would also encourage you as you do that to memorize word for word so that leads us to meditation because I think one of the best ways to meditate is actually to memorize is just constantly be thinking of these verses just think of one verse Repeat it to yourself over and over again. And what that does is that, that it has a way of allowing you to meditate on that. Hmm. I never really thought about it in that light before. And you start seeing different things. In fact, the Puritans warned that if you continue to neglect meditation, it will dampen or destroy your love for God. So what do I mean by meditation? Well, meditation is uh, not like we like most of the people in our day think of it, and that is emptying the mind. Okay, Meditation for us, which the Scriptures are talking, when they're talking about meditation, is talking about filling up our minds. Okay, filling up our minds with truth. There's no such thing as, as being able to understand more about God as we empty our mind. That doesn't make sense at all. We have to fill it with His truth and think His thoughts after Him. So our goal of, the, the goal of meditation is not to empty our minds, but to fill it with the truth of God, but to fill our minds with truth. And we uh, saw Joshua uh, 
verse chapter one verse eight says, "This book of the law shall not depart of your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth." Why would that happen, Joshua? Why would Israel not allow the law to, to depart from their mouth? Well, because you are meditating on it day and night, so that you're careful to do whatever it is written, whatever is written in it, and then you'll ha- make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. And then Psalm 1, as we looked at earlier, speaks of meditating day and night. It's a constant thing. Um, I like what Edmund Calamy wrote. He said, A true meditation is when a man does so meditate as of Christ as to get his heart inflamed with the love of Christ, so meditate on the truths of God as to be transformed by them, and so meditate on sin as that we get a heart to hate sin. If only the Lord would grant us with that type of desire for God's Word, that we would not only study it, not, not only memorize it, but that we would meditate on it and think about how, what God means there and what it means for our specific lives. Now, we live in a day that is so distracting and so full of information that it's so hard to find time, to carve out time where we can actually sit and meditate. In fact, it feels weird, doesn't it, when there's just quiet? Especially if you have kids, you, you know, or a busy house. It's hard to find time where it's just quiet. And when we do, what do we do? We have to fill up with noise. But there's actually a, a great benefit to, to putting out all the noise and thinking only about the Scriptures. And so I'd, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, all right, let me give you uh, three three helps maybe for when you do meditate. Number one, this is pretty self-evident, but pray through the text. Think, Pray through the text. Number two, don't rush like I'm doing right now. Be patient. Take your time. Don't rush. And sometimes reading less is more. Okay, We don't have to read through an entire book in order to be able to meditate rightly about God's truth. Sometimes it's good to just take a little bit. So the goal... It is not just to say we've done it, check off a list. It's the same as with memorization, the same with studying the Scriptures, is to, to get to know God more. That's our goal here. Okay, That's why we're doing this. We're trying to find out who He is. In fact, the old hymn by Joachim Neander that we, we sing at our church occasionally is called Praise to the Lord the Almighty. He says, Praise to the Lord who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely His goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. You want your heart to, to glow and with a warm love for God, and to find out more about to find out more about who He is. Then ponder anew what He can do. And the best way for you to do that is to get in the Word of God. And I can guarantee you that when you do this, you will not be disappointed. There are no thoughts that you can think about God that are greater than He really is. And when you start reading through the Scripture, when you study it, when you meditate on it, memorize it, you will see this for yourself. All right, any questions? All right, let me pray and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank You for this time. Help us to to uh, to swell up with a love for You that cannot be squelched by anything in this world. Help us to put You first in everything in our lives and help us to show that we love You by listening to what You have to say for ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.